If you've been with us the past couple of weeks, you're well aware that we've been taking some time to examine some of the different aspects of the wonder of God. And as Bob said last week, we looked at the word behold and how in the Greek text it means to fix your eyes on this, be sure to see this, don't miss this. And we learn that we have the choice every day to take the time to be still and behold our God and the beauty around us. And as Bob said last week, watching leads to wonder and wonder leads to worship. And so today we have the opportunity to um, examine the subject of beauty and how we find God in the beauty all around us that extends beyond, you know, just cover girl, not that type of beauty. Of course, that could be some of it. But how we find God's beauty all around us and how that draws us to wonder, which leads us to worship. So to get us started in the conversation, we're going to watch the final part of the video that we've been uh, looking at, and then we'll go from there. So sit back, grab some popcorn, and enjoy the video.
so you can pray, so you can love. Be still. Be whole. It's going to be hard to follow that video because that's really good stuff. So I'm going to give it a shot, but I'm going to need your help. I'm going to be proposing um, different questions to you guys kind of throughout this message. And I need your participation. So if you thought you were just coming to church today to sit back, listen to the skinny guy, say some stuff about Jesus, then you're dead wrong. If I see you dozing off or not paying attention, I might call you out. So I'm just kidding, but seriously. Um, The man in the video, his name is uh, Mikado, and he started off by saying, Perhaps the greatest thing that we can do as a Christian community is behold. Behold our God and behold his creation. He said the church has exiled beauty from its conversations. And I think we need to rediscover the beautiful in order to recover ourselves, our humanity. Jesus seemed to indicate that beauty is a doorway into the gospel. Beauty is the door. And I grew up going to church pretty much my whole life, and probably apart from a few Sundays, I've attended church probably every Sunday for around the past 25 years, and I've rarely, if ever, heard anyone teach or preach or share about beauty being a doorway into the gospel. And so I'd like to hear from maybe a few of you on why you think that's the case. And I'm not saying it's that way with every church in America or in the Western world, but certainly the vast majority So why do you think the church so often has exiled beauty from its conversations? Any thoughts along those lines? Why do you think the church has exiled beauty from its conversations? Yeah, we're getting deep. Yeah, that's good. The gospel is associated with sacrifice and the sacrifice of the cross isn't very beautiful. It's very, it can be very, very gory and gruesome, yes. Sure, yeah, sometimes people associate beauty with lust and just good looks, and so rather than even going there, we just remove ourselves from it. Anybody else? Yeah, yeah, beauty is clean, supposed to be clean and simple when you get down to what Christ went through. It's very messy. Yeah, those are great. Some other thoughts, you know, many of us tend to not appreciate things if we don't see an um, an immediate way that it benefits us or an immediate way that we can apply it in our lives in some practical way. And really, I I think the Western church hasn't done a good job of creating space for mystery. Um, We often avoid the mysterious and things that are unclear Um, We often like to systemize everything and make sense of every single thing in our lives. And for me personally, I'm often, I'm usually not humble enough just to accept beauty for what it is. 
and acknowledge that even though I might not be able to apply it to my, to some, in some practical way to my life, there's still deep value in just being still and beholding our God and his creation. Watching leads to wonder, and wonder leads to worship. And oftentimes our biggest struggle is just to watch, to stop what we're doing and pay attention to what is going on around us. And we, as a society, have grown accustomed to hating silence. We hate silence for the most part. We're so accustomed to having our eyes and ears filled with words and informations all the time that we oftentimes don't even know what to do when there's silence, especially when there's silence within a group of people. It can be really awkward. And in that video, there was a three-minute section. It was complete, complete silence. There was a little bit of music, but there were no words and no information being shared for about three minutes. And so I want to kind of hear from a few of you on what was stirring inside you during that three minutes. Was there a scene that moved you? Was it a little awkward? If so, why? What was stirring inside you for those, for those three minutes of silence? <clears throat> All right, I wonder if the cameraman knew how to focus this camera. Yes, thank you, Mr. Jewell. <laughs> Anybody else? Yeah, yeah, he was expecting some epic finale, and it was just like photos of nature. Yeah, sure, sure. Anybody else? Sure, yeah, it just made her uh, relate every picture to things that she's seen in her life. Good. All right, go ahead. We're going to dive into Scripture here now. Go ahead and open up to Mark chapter 14. If you have a pew Bible, it should be page 710. Mark 14, 1 through Starting in verse 1. It says, Now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you. And you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. So we have Jesus setting 
reclining at this table. We know he was eating a Chipotle burrito like any good man would be doing at a social gathering. That Phil's wearing, that's right. Eating a burrito, reclining at his friend Simon's house. And in walks in this woman who performs this act that catches all of them off guard and takes them by surprise. And we know from John's gospel that this woman was Mary of Bethany. And just a little bit earlier in the story, Mary's brother Lazarus had passed away. And Jesus was so overwhelmed with sorrow and grief for the death of his friend Lazarus and seeing the people around him so filled with sorrow and grief, it just brought him to tears. And Jesus wept. And as Mikado said in the video, when Jesus wept, it was gratuitous, useless beauty that was flowing through him into her. And she knew that. And all she could do was think, what's the most beautiful thing that I have to offer back to him? So in the middle of this social gathering, they're enjoying their meals, she barges in, breaks open this ridiculously expensive bottle of perfume that was worth a year's wages that she had been saving up for her whole life. She pours it on Jesus' head. John's account tells us she poured it on Jesus' feet and bent down and even went as far as to wipe his feet with her own hair. And the disciples at the table were so caught off guard, they started to rebuke her. They said, why such a waste? Why are you letting her waste this? We could have fed so many poor people with the money that could have been used from that perfume. Jesus said, leave her alone. You don't understand. You don't get it. What she's done is a beautiful thing to me. Mary found herself to be so overwhelmed by the wonder and love of God that she couldn't help but respond in the most extravagant way imaginable. In this past week, I almost missed out personally on an opportunity to behold God and behold his creation. It was this past Tuesday, it was about 5.30. I stepped outside. We have two little Maltese puppies, my wife and I. I took them outside to let them use the bathroom. The sun was setting. It was really cold. They were taking forever to find the perfect potty spot. And after about what felt like 45 minutes, I finally, um, um, I turned to go in my front door and I caught with the corner of my eye, I missed it for the 20 minutes I felt like I was out there, the whole sky was lit up in pink as the sun was setting. And since we're speaking on wonder and I was given this message on beauty, I thought I should probably soak this in for a few minutes. So I let the dogs inside and I just sat there for probably three to five minutes in the wonder of what I was experiencing. And I want to, I have a photo to kind of give you an idea of, that's pretty much what it looked like, sitting from my front patio, and just the backdrop of the pink sky to the formation of the tree branches was absolutely beautiful. And I literally stood on my front patio while I was looking at that, and out loud I just said, God, that is amazing. You are incredible. Thank you for creating something that beautiful for us to enjoy. You are so amazing, God. And while I was preparing uh, the message, I came across a verse that really spoke truth to what I experienced that night, and it comes from Psalm 19. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. 
Their voice and words, although unspoken, are saying to us, Behold your God. Don't miss this. Fix your eyes on this. Don't miss this. Behold his beauty and goodness and glory. And when I took a couple minutes on that night, when I was about to rush inside just to get warm, I took a couple minutes to behold, that watching led me to wonder, that wonder led me to worship, and it filled me with joy and gratitude for God creating something so beautiful for me to enjoy. And as I was putting together this message, I couldn't help but also think of the many different pathways and doorways that God uses to draw people to himself. For some people, it is creation. Seeing stuff like that, or the mountains, or the rivers, it just points their hearts to their creator. For some people, it's community. Their hearts are pointed to Christ when they experience and witness their Christian brothers and sisters loving each other sacrificially. For some people, um, it's the information um, or truths taught maybe at church or on Sunday morning from Scripture, and they came through Christ because maybe something really clicked with them that way. But regardless of the pathway, it's all beauty. Beauty extends far beyond just creation. I think we limit it just to that a lot. Beauty extends beyond just creation. Beauty is found in two people extending forgiveness towards each other who have both wronged each other and sinned. Beauty is found when your friend is set free from an addiction and you can't help but rejoice in God because you know it wouldn't have been possible without the work of God in their life. Beauty is found when you experience God's compassion and comfort through his word or through his people. And growing up in church, I've always kind of big, been big on information. I thought biblical knowledge equaled spiritual maturity. I thought the more that I knew the Bible, the more that I was going to be just like Jesus. And there's certainly some truth to that. You need to know God's word. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm living proof. I found that you can know everything about the Bible, but it doesn't mean your heart has been changed in the process. You can know everything about Jesus, the way he lived, how he loved people, but it doesn't mean that your heart has been transformed in the process to be more like him. And I'm someone, I'm just wired personally to be big on information. Usually when I sit down to read the Bible, I read for information rather than transformation. So I kind of knock out big chunks, three, four, five, six chapters at a time. It's a lot more difficult for me to sit down and spend 20 or 30 minutes just dissecting and chewing on maybe one or two verses and really immersing myself into a tiny little bit of scripture. But information wasn't enough um, to transform my heart. And when I look back on my life, the gospel became real to me when I started to see the beauty around me. The gospel became real to me when I witnessed friends of mine Get, get up in front of each other in a group of people and confess their sins and ask for forgiveness for people that they had wronged. Beauty became real to me when people in my life who grew up in alcoholic families, when I saw them raise their kids differently because of the love that they've experienced from Christ. Beauty becomes real to me when people from Wellspring approach me like they did a couple weeks ago after church and they just start to weep in front of me. And they just say, Justin, I'm just so overwhelmed by how much God loves me. I don't even know what to do with this. That's beauty. <laughs> That's the beauty of God manifesting itself in countless ways around us. And so 
I want to hear from you guys for a minute. I shared some examples of how beauty was a doorway to the gospel for me. How was beauty a doorway into the gospel for you? How was beauty, how did God use beauty in some form to draw you to Christ? Sure. Yeah, seeing just the beautiful things around us led her to worship. Excellent. Anybody else? Yes, Rich. Yeah, that's good. He has this this desire for beauty, and when he sees that in others and in creation, it draws him to God. Good. Anybody else? Yeah, that's good. Sometimes it's just <laughs> miracles happen around us all the time, and we not e- might not even recognize it at the moment. Absolutely. You know, kind of another question to consider, this is pretty rad, but if you didn't have, think about this, if you didn't have God's word, what would you know to be true about God? Based on his provision, his love, his compassion, his desire to be relational. If you didn't have the Bible, what would you know to be true about God? It's kind of something to consider. And I'm sure that many of you have heard of the movie or the book, Unbroken. Um, It's a pretty hot movie out right now based on the life of former Olympic runner and World War II survivor Louis Zamperini. Um, I read this book a couple years ago, and it was easily the most incredible story I've ever came across or heard about in my life, possibly the greatest story I'll ever hear in my lifetime. Um, After surviving a military a uh, plane crash, Louis and his friends Phil and Mac. Phil and Mac were, they found themselves stranded on a raft in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And after being on this raft for over a month, their friend Mac had died from starvation. And author Laura Hillenbrand paints a beautiful picture of what Louis and his friend experienced on one particular morning. She said, One morning they woke to a strange stillness. The rise and fall of the raft had ceased, and it sat virtually motionless. There was no wind. The ocean stretched out in all directions in glossy smoothness. Like the ancient mariner, Louis and Phil had found the doldrums, the eerie pause of wind and water that lingers around the equator. They were, as Coleridge wrote, as idle as a painted ship upon a painted ocean. It was an experience of transcendence. Phil watched the sky whispering that it looked like a pearl. The water looked so solid that it seemed they could walk across it. When a fish broke the surface far away, the sound carried to the men with absolute clarity. They watched as pristine ringlets of water circled outward around the place where the fish had passed, then faded to stillness. For a while they spoke, sharing their wonder. 
Then they fell into reverent silence. Their suffering was suspended. They weren't hungry or thirsty. They were unaware of the approach of death. As he watched this beautiful, still world, Louis played with the thought that, he had, that had come to him before. He had thought it as he had watched hunting seabirds, marveling at their ability to adjust their dives to compensate for the refraction of light in the water. He had thought it as he had considered the pleasing geometry of sharks, their gradation of color, their slide through the sea. He even recalled the thought coming to him in his youth when he had lain on the roof of the cabin to watch the night settling over the earth. Such beauty, he thought, was too perfect to have come by mere chance. That day in the center of the, of the Pacific was to him a gift, crafted deliberately, compassionately for him and Phil. Joyful and grateful in the midst of slow dying, the two men bathed in that day until sunset brought it and their time in the doldrums to an end. Even while approaching death, Louis was able to look at the beauty around him, and his heart was filled with wonder and joy and gratitude. Um, Ralph Emerson is famous for saying, Beauty is God's handwriting. And I love that. Beauty is God's handwriting. And his handwriting is everywhere, it's just often overlooked. God's beauty can be found while standing on your front patio, even in St. Joseph, Missouri, and looking west. It's found in the laughing and playing of children. His beauty's found in the birds singing and chirping at five o'clock in the morning to wake you up. It's found when a mother holds their child and tells them how much they're dearly loved. So how are you doing at being still and beholding our God and his creation? How are you doing at beholding our God and his creation? Are you listening to what he wants to speak to you through his word, his spirit, his people? Are you in too much of a hurry to breathe in God's goodness and pay attention to what he's trying to speak to you? God's always speaking to us in some way or another, even through the sky. It's just a matter of whether or not we're paying attention. So I'm going to give us a minute or two of silence to do that, to be still and to behold our God and wonder together. For some of you, you might just want to use this time to bow your head and close your eyes, and that's fine. For some, you might want to look around at this beautiful sanctuary that we get to worship in. I don't know about you guys, but stained glass windows inspire me, and they're beautiful, and they make me wonder, and it just inspires me to worship God. So whatever your thing is, I'm going to give you a minute or two just to do that, together as a church body, and after a little bit of silence, I'll come up and pray for us, and then we'll sing our last song together.
God, you are so amazing. God, we thank you so much for the beauty that you have just put all around us. We don't deserve it, God, but you've blessed us with it anyway. Whether it's the birds in the air, people in our lives, the rivers and mountains and oceans, your word, God. It's everywhere, Jesus. I pray that we would pay attention to it. Pay attention to what you're trying to speak to us, the many different pathways that you use to draw people to yourself. God, I pray that we live with open ears and open eyes and take the time to behold and to fix our eyes on the things that you want to reveal to us. Help us to create some space, a couple minutes here and there, God, to pay attention and not worry about checking our email again or looking up sports or whatever it might be. God, I know that I'm so tempted to do. God, I pray that we would learn to be still and behold your glory and goodness and beauty. Thank you for this time, God. I pray that you would hear our voices as we sing uh, together as a church. In your name, amen. Go ahead and sing as we sing our last song.